everyone. My name is Michelle and welcome to Romcom Weekly. Today, my friend Ming is back on the podcast and we're talking about the movie What Women Want. Hello, Ming. Hello, Michelle. How are you? Doing good. Yourself? Not too bad. Thank you again for doing this with me. Super fun. So I'm happy you do it. <laughs> so a few things about this movie. It was released in December of 2000. It's directed by Nancy Myers, written by Josh Goldsmith, Kathy Yuspa, and Diane Drake. It stars Mel Gibson and Helen Hunt. The IMDb.com summary is, a cocky, chauvinistic advertising executive magically acquires the ability to hear what women are thinking. It has a 6.4 on IMDb. It made $374 million worldwide. And in 2001, Mel Gibson was nominated for a Golden Globe for Best Actor in a Comedy or Musical. Okay, so with that, Ming, what are you rating this movie on a scale from 1 to 10? Uh, I rate it kind of lower. I would say like in a 4 or 5 range. I thought it was like average at best. Oh, wow. That's that's quite low. Yeah, I feel like in the previous pods, like Hitch was great. Old Man Maybe was great. This is definitely on the more, one of the lower ends. <laughs> yeah, uh, I would agree. Of the three that we've spoken about, this is probably my least favorite. I'm giving this a six. Mm. Uh, so kind of in line with IMDb, just a little bit lower. But yeah. to answer the question I usually ask is, why are we talking about this film? Mm-hmm. It's because when you and I talked about Hitch, yep. in our trivia, we found that Hitch was the number three highest grossing rom-com of all time. Mm-hmm. And we were going through the list and we were both shocked that we saw What Women Want as the number two highest grossing rom-com of all time. Yeah. So here we are. But do you have a relationship with this movie? Um, I didn't really have one growing up because like it came out in like 2000. We were like around 15 years old. So like it didn't really strike me at like the right age because it's not really, I feel like it's not really meant for like teenagers like some rom-coms mm-hmm. are. But um, after rewatching it now as an adult, like it does strike me a little bit more just because one, it's filmed in Chicago. So I live yes. in Chicago, so that's cool. And then two, it's, you know, it's about advertising executives and I've been working in advertising for the past like eight plus years. So like mm-hmm. it kind of hit close to home just because I was like, wait a second. Like, I know, <laughs> like they were referencing like BBDO in the beginning and I was like, I know that company and like, mm. you know, they were saying all this stuff and I was like, nope, that's exactly what kind of like work is like sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I so I wasn't in advertising. I worked in PR, but we mm-hmm. worked with our ad partners a lot. And it was pretty common knowledge that ad executives work really, really long hours. Yeah. So the few scenes where they're working overtime, it yeah. seems to be pretty realistic, I guess. Yeah. And the prevalence of alcohol in the office, like just... Yeah. Everyone's just like, all right, at a certain point, they're like, I need a drink. Yeah. And I need to work. So I just do both at the same time. Sure, sure. (laughs) So I mentioned at the top of this that this movie is directed by Nancy Myers. Mm -hmm. And I love Nancy Myers. I kind of like slightly love to hate her, but I love her ultimately. (laughs) Do you know any of her work? Do Do not. If you say the name Nancy Myers, it brings no bells. Got it. Okay. So I'm just going to name off a few movies that she's done, that she's directed, that you probably have seen. Yeah. The Parent Trap with Lindsay Lohan. I have not seen. Okay. Something's Gotta Give with Diane Keaton and Jack Nicholson. My wife's like favorite movie. <laughs> Such a good one. The Holiday, Cameron Diaz, Kate Winslet. No, I have not seen. What? You haven't seen that one? No. 
Okay. I've also well, only seen Something's Gotta Give in like snippets. Like she always has it on the background. Oh, it's a good one. I, so, okay. so far I'm like I'm like one, almost like half out of three. Half out of three. And then It's Complicated with Meryl Streep. Never seen it either of those. Okay. All right. So I take that back. So um, I never heard the name. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, who's Nancy Myers? But, but cool. <laughs> I would have kind of hoped or expected you would have seen The Holiday because that's a pretty heavy, it's a heavy hitter of a rom-com. But uh, I would recommend it. Okay. When it's the holidays, it's definitely a fun <laughs> watch. But anyway, the reason I bring that up is because Nancy Myers is—I I love her movies. She mm-hmm. has a very specific aesthetic, mm-hmm. and this movie is very in line with that aesthetic. And I kind of forgot that she did this movie. She directed The Parent Trap, and then this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is a little bit of an older film that I haven't seen as much. But separately, we mentioned this, I believe, on the Hitch podcast. But have you seen? the gender reversal of what men want that was released in 2019 with Taraji P. Henson. I have. I do remember watching it and I think it has similar like reviews. Like it's like a six, it's like a meh kind of movie. So I confess I have not seen that and I probably should or should have in preparation for this podcast. It, that movie has a 5.3 on IMDb. Oh, okay. So it's even worse. Yeah. yeah. Even worse. (laughs) Does that, does that track for you? Was that a worse movie? Oh, for sure. I mean, I watched it. I think I might have watched it like on a plane. Like, it was one of those, like, it was just something that was on. But, like, mm-hmm. I mean, I definitely had no intentions of, like, ever seeing that in a theater um, or paying money for it. Yeah, I mean, I remember when I watched it, I, like, I knew it was pretty dumb from the start. But, I mean. <laughs> that's the whatever. point, right? You, that's yeah. what you're going for. Yeah, exactly. It was, I knew it wasn't going to, like, win Oscars or anything. So Right, right. Okay, so what are what are some things you like about this movie? Um, I do like, well watching it now because like i mean it came out 2000 so like like i said i feel like at the time i was like too young and it wasn't really targeted to like teenagers so i don't think i really watched it till like later um Mm -hmm. but then watching it again now like the thing i like most from watching it was just there's so much nostalgia from the times Mm -hmm. um in the in the movies like martha stewart's in it richard simmons (laughs) is in it like a character has a waterbed they're using discs man's pay phones like they have the corded phones like the TVs are extra thick, you know, like everything from those times are like, you know, it's like ancient history now, but it's like 20 years ago. Right. So it was cool to see like, it's like a, it's like a time capsule of the two thousands. Definitely. It definitely is. Uh, that was really enjoyable. I love kind of revisiting movies for that reason. Yeah. Like we've come so far, like 20 years seems like a long time, but that is part of our lifetime. So then you're like, (laughs) I'm old now. A lot of time has passed. Right. Because that was our childhood. Yeah. And I mean, it's just, it's just cool. You know, you can see that old stuff at the same time. Like, you know, it's cool just to like, you know, realize like, wait, yeah, that was a long time ago. But some things, some things haven't changed in 20 years. Like they have like the lady that like flags down the the cab for him every morning. Like they still wear mm. the same uniforms like now. Oh, yes. Good point. <laughs> yeah. Like the door guys, you know, whatnot. So like. A lot of the same stuff is still happening today, but like, yeah, it's it's funny to see just like the, the technology change. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, for sure. You mentioned Chicago earlier. Mm-hmm. Love that this is taking place in Chicago. Mm-hmm. It got me thinking. What are some of the best movies that take place in Chicago, in your opinion, as a Chicagoan? Uh, the most famous is definitely Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yes, I remember that one. Otherwise, I do remember, I think it was like Transformers 3. Oh my god! Because <laughs> they, they straight up like destroy like downtown. And like they do a really good job of like making sure that you know they're destroying like Lower Wacker. 
Yeah, I remember there's a line in that movie. It's like, I think that was just when Sears Tower had rebranded to Willis Tower. And they say, head towards Willis Tower. And I was like, this is incorrect. It will always be Sears Tower. Yeah. And then um, I think the most iconic one, maybe, or really iconic one is Dark Knight. There's like a big scene in Lower Wacker. I mean, it's not it's not meant to be in Chicago, but you can tell it's filmed in Chicago. Yeah. Those are kind of my top three. I don't really, I don't know. What else? Uh, yeah, I was thinking as well, there's a few, I think, older movies. Mm-hmm. And then I obviously Chicago. just <laughs> thought about rom-coms. Yeah. And Vince Vaughn is a Chicagoan, famously. Oh, yeah, yeah. He does. He has that one with Jennifer Aniston. Yeah, he. I, I feel like he does a lot of his movies based in Chicago, yeah. which yeah. which is nice. And then a few other movies that I've talked about on the podcast here is While You Were Sleeping, which is a Sandra Bullock film, which mm. I love. And My Best Friend's Wedding is also in Chicago. Oh, yeah. I think like Bridesmaids is also in Chicago. Oh, yes, yes. Chicago. And I think she drives back and forth from, from Milwaukee. Like, Wisconsin or something. Yeah. Yeah, because like, her like best friend like lives in some swanky North Shore mansion. Good call so. out. <laughs> yeah, shout out Chicago. I yeah, love it. Lots of good movies. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on Mel Gibson in this movie? Well, the first thing I thought of was, holy shit, this dude's in amazing shape. Because <laughs> he's yes. shirtless in a lot of scenes, and I looked it up. He was like 45 when it came wow. out. Or like, he's in his mid-40s. I don't know exact years, but like, he's like in his mid-60s now, so it came out 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. So like, I mean, I was like, wow, it's really impressive how good of shape he is in for being that old. Because, I don't know, we were discussing earlier, like, you kind of fall off a cliff pretty fast. Uh, yeah. When you get older. So I'm like, damn, he, he kept it up. Good job. <laughs> Good job, Mel. Yeah, I think uh, I admittedly am not a Mel Gibson fan or nor do I have a lot of Mel Gibson movies under my belt. Yeah. I somehow missed like Braveheart. Braveheart. <laughs> I haven't seen Braveheart. So growing up as a teen, being really into rom-coms, I obviously watched this movie yeah. and I thought he was really good in it back then. Yeah. And rewatching this last night, I was kind of charmed all over again he's really entertaining he is very fit suave but douchey suave obviously i mean that is supposed to be his character at the end of the day like he's mm-hmm. supposed to be some like toxic masculinity like chauvinistic pig right yep. like he's supposed to be that and he does that very well very well <laughs> <laughs> and then but yeah like in terms of yeah when you asked that question the first thing i thought of was him as a person not him as a character yes but yeah him as a character yeah i mean I think he does a good job of like, you know, playing like you almost like even though he's like a total jerk, like stealing people, stealing her ideas and like using it in like manipulative ways. You still like like him at the end of the movie. Yeah, it's not easy to play that. Uh, not range, but it's it's hard to to do that, to play someone so unlikable. And then ultimately you're rooting for him. Right. It's like it's like Julie Roberts and my best friend's wedding. Like, yes. Yeah. Like it's someone that like at the end of the day, you're realizing, wait. She's literally stealing. <laughs> She's like breaking up a marriage. She's um, the worst, actually. But, yeah, but you like love her. And so it's like, dang, like, yeah, because like I already watched that with my wife and I was like, she's a total person. She's like the worst person. Yeah. So like, what are you talking about? I was like, she ruined a marriage. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, growing up, I didn't see that. But then yeah. on my rewatch and then my conversation for the for this show, it's like, wow, she's the worst. Yeah. But yeah, Mel Gibson as a person, uh, controversial. Yeah, didn't he get in trouble with like anti-Semitism or something? 
Yeah, I feel like he's gotten into a lot of trouble. He's gotten a lot of trouble with some stuff, but yeah, I think I feel like he has something to do with something with Jewish folks. Yes, and yes. I laugh because there was a scene where he gets a yarmulke. Oh yes, <laughs> from like someone from Israel, and I was like, that didn't age well. I did a quick Wikipedia dive on yeah. Mel Gibson, and apparently he is a very conservative person. Oh. So, and I was watching this movie and I was like, oh, I wonder if this was a hard role for him to play. I don't know. Maybe, maybe this is just, he was really good at acting in this movie. Yeah. But yeah, I haven't really followed the Mel Gibson controversy over the past few years, but I feel like, I think Hollywood's embracing him again. I don't know. But yeah, that's my Mel Gibson take. Really good in this movie, but I don't know much about him outside of this movie. Yeah. Like opposite of you, like I knew him from like Lethal Weapon and like, mm-hmm. you know, Braveheart. The Patriot, Payback, like a bunch of movies I watched as a kid. So like, I always knew him as like action, more of like an action tough guy. So when I think I watched this, I was like, oh, he actually is pretty good for you know being a comedic actor too. Yeah, I think uh, this might be one of his only rom coms. I know that he's done like full on romance films, mm-hmm. but I think this might be his one and only rom com. So mm-hmm. yeah, good for him, I guess. Other things you like about this movie? I mean, now that I know it was, like, directed by a woman and it was, like, you know, written by a woman as well, like, it does have a, you know, paint light of how, like, the world is so, that's a double standard for women. Mm. So, like, it does do a pretty good, <laughs> it makes it really, really obvious, um, mm-hmm. you know, that, like, hey, like, this isn't fair. Yeah, I mean, you see that in the workplace even now. And then the way, you know, obviously they, they make him be a chauvinistic, terrible, toxic masculinity, like, kind of guy so like you see all the negative stuff he does and you're like yep that stuff wouldn't fly anymore mm-hmm. and you know that's the stuff that was happening back then that like <laughs> really shouldn't be happening but yeah you yeah know, even like the stupid stuff like he rolls in after 10 a.m every day like you know he, <laughs> like gets, he owns the place yeah, yeah exactly and then he's coming at eight the next day he's like what like <laughs> yeah you know stuff like that but like you know they, they did a really good job of i guess in the end day they have like a good message for the movie. It's kind of like that. Mm-hmm. I like that mm-hmm. part about it. Yeah, we'll we'll get into themes a little bit later. I have a few thoughts on that as well. Uh, one final thing I liked about this movie is just the the star power of the supporting cast. Oh yeah, yeah. For a movie that's twenty years old, I feel like there's a bunch of people that I recognize. Yeah. So there's obviously Marissa Tomei as Lola, mm-hmm. Judy Greer as Erin, the suicidal assistant. Yep. Sarah Paulson, who is the assistant, mm-hmm. Alan Alda, the boss, mm-hmm. Lauren Holly, the ex-wife, mm-hmm. uh, random cameo by Bette Midler. Yeah, she's like the doctor, like the family therapist. <laughs> yeah. Anna Gasteyer from SNL's in this. Yep. Lisa Edelstein, I, I just recognized her from a lot of other things, but she's in this movie. And Mark Firestein, I, I don't know if that's how you say his name, um, yeah. who is Nick Marshall's co-worker. Yeah, he's like he's like this, bro. Yeah, it was it was fun to see these people's faces twenty years ago. And yeah, they're still relevant. And you can't. It's like it's kind of surprising, just because yeah, like you know, obviously everyone has their start somewhere, but like you know, Sarah Paulson's like like a secretary, basically. <laughs> mm-hmm. She's like the errand girl. Yeah. So for a movie, you're giving a four or a five. What are some things you don't like about this movie? I felt like they did a really good job of showing how terrible he was. And he spent a lot of time showing how terrible he was. Mm-hmm. And then I feel like it just got really rushed at the end, even though the movie's like two hours long. He like turned good in the last like 30 minutes. And like, it's really like an hour and a half showing of how bad he is. Um, yep. 
So like, and that's one of the things I didn't like about it. I felt like oh, the pacing was kind of off. I was going to be 50, but like, it just felt really rushed at the end. Yeah. It like went from like, he's a terrible person to like realizing he's so, he like needs to change. And then all of a sudden, bam, like the movie ends and you're like, whoa. <laughs> but I mean, that was, that was my biggest, that was my biggest gripe. I felt like it didn't have enough time to like actually marinate. It just kind of happened. I totally agree with you. As you mentioned, this movie is over two hours long, which is too long, I think, sometimes for a rom-com. Yeah. Agree with you that it's kind of weirdly paced. The beginning is pretty fun because we see him being terrible, but yeah. I'll be honest with you, it was kind of hard to watch him be so terrible. Yeah. Uh, I was like, oof, this is so uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. I watched it with my wife and she just left because she was like, I can't watch this. <laughs> like, yeah. Just... She's like, this is too hard to watch. And I was like... <laughs> It's pretty tough. I was like, sorry, I chose this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it was a little tough and a little too long. I'm not sure where they could have cut certain things. However, I will say that I love Judy Greer. She does so much for rom-coms. She's always the sidekick. She always plays a little bit of a sunnier person. Yeah. In this movie, she's very sad. She's like the suicidal. Like, she's suicidal. Person. I don't know if I needed this plot line. I yeah. think it was a bit random, a little bit unnecessary. Ultimately, I think what it serves is to just prove that Nick isn't a total dick at the end and like gives her a job, but that also didn't really need to happen. Right. Yeah, I feel like that's maybe five minutes they could have shaved off. Oh, yeah. Give, Way give Judy more. Greer something else to do. Yeah. yeah. If anything, I kind of feel bad because obviously like there's the main storyline with him and Helen Hunt and he's got his own storyline with his daughter. So I mm -hmm. felt like this third storyline was like, yeah, it just made it more complicated. And if it was cut, I would have sucked for Judy Greer because she's like a great actress. But yeah, I, don't know, I felt like it could have been something that probably was discussed. But Agreed. But other than that, honestly, there's not a whole lot I don't like about this movie. I think the average-ish rating for me is just like, it didn't really hit on any emotional levels. Yeah. And it was funny and enjoyable, but there weren't any belly laughs. Ultimately, it was just like a fine, breezy, fun watch. Yeah, exactly. That's why I was like, I think it's average at best. Mm. Uh, that's why I gave like a five and then four and, you know, it's like, eh, range. Yeah. We can we can talk about this later, but I know one of the things I didn't like about it was they made the secretary live in Chinatown. <laughs> and then like he went to Chinatown and he like found like an Asian, like older grandma who couldn't speak, just pointed mm. like he like one guy ran over by like a delivery driver, like. It was delivering food and he was like, I was like, really? You gotta like make this so like exoticized. Like she lives in a freaking apartment that has like traditional like Asian designs and stuff. I was yes. Like, oh God, this is so stupid. I did notice that as well. <laughs> Not really sure what they were going for. I was like, what's the point? Like, how does this help the story at all? A thousand percent. Like, she could have lived in any apartment. Like, mm -hmm. why did they choose to like be like that? Plus, because I live in Chicago, Chinatown South. The office is in like the loop area, like the middle. And then Helen Hunt for sure lives on the north side. So like it's a pretty big detour to like go down and then go back. It's like doubling Got back. It. <laughs> yeah, I have, I'm glad that you brought that up. The The geography of cities and the missteps that a lot of movies take, it just irritates me. But I'm glad you said that. Yeah, the whole Chinatown thing raised an eyebrow for sure. But here's the other thing is that with me and Nancy Myers, the reason mm -hmm. I kind of, I mentioned I kind of have like a love-hate thing with her. Yeah. Is that if you go and watch any of her movies, there's zero people of color. Anybody who is a person of color is usually uh, hired help. Yeah. 
And I have a problem with that for many reasons. Right. And, uh, you know, she, Nancy Myers is a very beloved writer, filmmaker, producer. She makes movies that resonate with a lot of women. But this one thing I just, I can't get over. And so the fact that she does this and has this Chinatown, granted, she didn't write the movie. I, it's part of my trivia point that she did a rewrite of the movie. So I'm not sure where she contributed or where she took things out, mm-hmm. but she is the director of this film. So maybe, you know, she should be taking the fall for this, but yeah. Why, why Chinatown? Your point. Why does this make sense? What is this supposed to mean? The random old woman with the umbrella, not speaking English and just pointing. And then, yeah, her apartment is very Eastern styled. Yeah. And I don't get it. It's like, what's the point? Yeah, exactly. It doesn't do anything with the story, just kind of random. And yeah, to your point, like, there are no people of color. Like, the person that's, like, the door woman is, is African-American. Like, mm-hmm. um, it's, I think it's implied that her housekeeper is, like, Hispanic. And that's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, everyone else is white. Yep. The few movies that I've talked about that have been made by Nancy Myers, that's always my big gripe. And I'm bringing it up here again, because yeah, it no. still stands true. I mean, it's a track record for a reason. Yeah, unfortunate. Please do better, Nancy Myers. Okay, so let's talk about some themes. Mm. But I wanted to ask you this question, though, is would would you want the superpower to hear what women think? I wish I could turn it off, but that'd be cool Mm. to have. I think if if you had that 24-7, it'd be terrible. But if you can turn it on and off, that'd be amazing. I like that caveat. That's a good one. Because, like, there are times where it's super helpful. I mean... We're both married and happy relationships, but like, I feel like the core of a lot of, of fights are just a lot of times just bad communication. Right. So if you like know what the person's thinking and like understand where they're coming from, like, you know, I'm dense sometimes and Christina or like my wife will just be like, why do you not understand what I'm saying? And I'm like, I really just don't get it. Like, <laughs> But like, if I can hear it too, it's like it might help. But I don't know. Like, I think it just lead a lot less fights and stuff. But yeah, I mean, it also could be super like useful for a lot of bad things too they can like steal a lot of information and you can do a lot of other stuff yeah i i like what you say it'd be nice to have that power but also turn it off when you want to and the the arguments that you and christina have i mean i think we all have those right it's like right. why won't you just say what you mean and it's, and it's like oh, well i don't want to have to say it sometimes yeah. right it's just like why don't you know this and it sounds right. outrageous of course no one is a mind reader right I think, like, there's a lot of scenes like that. Like, right when he finds out, like, all the women are smiling at him and laughing at his jokes, but in reality, like, hate his guts. Mm-hmm. And, like, that would actually be super cool to know. Like, <laughs> like mm. do my coworkers, like, hate me? Like, am I actually not funny? Or, like, I don't know, just some stuff that, like, you know, you, you learn the truth about. So that'd be cool to know. But, yeah, I mean, I feel like if I was inundated with, like, women's thoughts, like, 24-7, like, I would hate it. Yeah, I, I posed the question to myself of would I want to have the superpower of hearing what men think? You wouldn't. And, yeah. <laughs> well, it'd be really gross, too. So I like, immediately uh, wrote down, no, I don't yeah. want that superpower. Because I know for a fact that I'd just be disappointed in men. I think Oh yeah. I would ultimately probably not be a fan of men if I could hear what they thought. Yeah, for sure. And we're like disgusting. You're like, ew. <laughs> Well, it's also like there are some times when Frank and I are having a meal and it's quiet and I'll be like, what are you thinking about? He's like, nothing. I'm like, clearly not nothing. I can I can see that you're thinking about something. Yeah. 
And I don't know, sometimes I'm like, oh, he's thinking about the same things I'm thinking about. But it's always, oh, I'm thinking about how to improve my forehand or my backhand or my jump shot or, <laughs> oh, the fantasy trade I want to make. And I'm like, this is what you're thinking about? Yep. So yeah, thus, I think I would just be continuously disappointed if I could hear what men thought. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, like, you know, I, when I would jog a lot, like, I don't like listening to music when I jog. I, I run with nothing. One of my friends, like, he'd say, how do you run with nothing? I was like, I don't know, just me and my thoughts, which half the time, it's just, I don't think about anything. I just run. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, <laughs> my wife says the same thing. She's like, what do you think about? I was like, nothing. Like, literally just there's, like, tumbleweeds in my brain and just nothing's going on. <laughs> it's your me time. Yeah. She's like, how do you do that? I was like, I don't know, just turn off my brain. It's nice. It's pretty easy. That's so funny. Tumbleweeds. Yeah, I just tell her that, just like, just imagine tumbleweeds blowing in the wind. That's that's my brain. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I meant to talk about themes, but I guess I brought this question up under this umbrella because I feel like one of the themes that I took away is that, obviously this is the premise of the movie, is yeah, what yeah. do women think? Yeah. And what do they want? And I think, for me, what I took away is that, maybe it's not just women specific, maybe it's just everybody, is that we want to be seen for who we are mm -hmm. and be, like, heard. We want someone to listen to us, to be a good listener. Yep, that was actually the, well, the first thing I wrote down was Oh. general themes this movie needs to cover. It says, number one, men are dumb and need to listen more. So, yeah, like, we really <laughs> just need to actually pay attention. <laughs> I mean, I'll give it to you. Listening is a is a skill. Yeah, you get to develop it over time. Exactly, for sure. So it's not something that comes easy, but man or woman, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But um, I, I, it sounds so woo woo when I say it out loud, but it's like, I feel like it's hard to be seen the way you want to be seen, if that makes any sense. Well, in the context of this movie, a lot of people, you know, they're at work. So you, you put on a face at work and this yeah. is how you are at work. But I don't know, everyone's multidimensional and a lot of people just want to be heard and seen. Yeah, I mean, Helen Hunt's character does that, right? Like, she's she's the type of person who, like, speaks her mind and, like, you know, what she thinks is what she says. It's like she's more straightforward and, like, you know, obviously then she gets called, like, you know, a man-eater bitch, like, um, yeah. for being that. But then you have other women in the same group that say the exact opposite of what they're thinking, you know? Like, even, like, Anna Gasteyer, when they're talking about, like, oh, aspirin thing. She's like, nope, I don't do that. Nope, I don't do that. But even though we just she heard her does. say that, you know, so... Mm -hmm. That was kind of another theme. It was like, you know, it's just like, hey, like, you should be who you are. Mm -hmm. Don't hold it back. If, but at the same time, it's just tough with social dynamics. But like, yeah, I mean, the confident women are like the, that's the inspiration to be. Yeah. But on the flip side, it's really hard to say what you mean sometimes. Especially so, at work. Yeah, yeah, you oh, be. yeah. Especially at work. And like that one scene where Darcy is looking at the ads with Nick and the boss is like, what do you guys think? And she has her thoughts and Nick steals her thoughts and says them out loud to the boss. Yeah. and she kind of kicks herself. She's like, I, you know, speak up. And I was like, oh, this is such a real moment. It's like, we think our thoughts, but we don't say them out loud sometimes. Yep. For fear of being disliked or seem stupid or whatever. I mean, she even says at the end, too. She's like, just say something. Say something to, like, prove your value. Yeah. And it's like, obviously, Nick took the best idea. So she's, like, scrambling to find the backup, which isn't as mm -hmm. good, of course. So. Yeah. Any other themes for you? I thought they did a kind of a cute job of, like, talking about like teenage pressures of sex with like his daughter and it's like yeah i mean like if you're an 18 year old like i feel like there's that expectation which is kind of like what i was saying earlier it's like yeah like i feel like as watching this as an adult i'm like wow 
I think they're trying to impart the message. Did I get it as a kid when I watched it? Probably not, but mm-hmm. I can see what they're trying to do. It's a good message in the day. Like, hey, if you're not ready, you shouldn't be forced to or like get pressured to from an older person just because they want to. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, I thought that was kind of a, a good message that they had in the movie. I agree. Um, so daughter Alex, uh, she is played by Ashley Johnson, who I don't think I've seen her in other things. Yeah, I didn't really look into IBDB, but I'm sure she's probably in stuff we've seen. We just don't recognize her. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I really liked her and this relationship that she has with her dad ultimately in the end. Yeah. But yeah, teen pressure is hard. And she's incredibly mature. She comes to this realization on her own that she's not ready. Yeah. Despite the mom and dad are <laughs> like, don't do it unless you're ready. And she's like, oh my gosh, get off my back. Yeah. I'm ready. But in the moment, she kind of is empowered to stand up for herself. Yeah. Even though this guy Cameron is terrible, <laughs> she doesn't sway. You know, she's not like, oh, I, you know, I changed my mind. Okay, let's, let's go to the hotel and let's yeah. go have sex. But she ultimately stays true to her decision. Yeah, they have their like prom at the Drake Hotel, which is like a really classic hotel in chicago and i'm like they're rich <laughs> so i put that under my wtf because it was like i know the drake hotel is very uppity yeah. and damn these are uppity kids yeah i was like cool well that's where your prom is nice <laughs> <laughs> love it okay so do you have a favorite scene um it's a random scene but my favorite was when he first gets his ability he's walking around and the French poodle says, Monsieur, I need a poop. That was like by far, I was like, that was like the only time I like laughed out loud the whole movie just because the dog, you know, you can really understand the girl dog's like thoughts. And I was like, hilarious that he says Monsieur because he's a French poodle. She's a French poodle. <laughs> that made me, that was like, that made me crack up. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. I That was a moment where I was like, oh boy, this is over the top. It's kind of campy at this point, but... Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a funny scene. That was my favorite line in the movie for sure. But yeah, I mean, that's also because I have a dog. Uh, I have a girl dog. And so yeah. I'm like, I can just imagine her doing the same thing. She's like, let's go. Let's go. I got to poop. My wife and I always put like narrations of what we think she's saying to us. But like, Aww. obviously we joke about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. For me, I think my favorite scene is the Marissa Tomei sex scene. Mm, yeah, yeah. Mostly because, I, I don't know, I was also kind of distracted. Like, wow, these people are acting pretty well in this movie because they all just are acting off their thoughts like nothing's being said they're not reacting to the opposite actor mm-hmm. i'm wondering like oh do they have an earpiece in their ear and they're just reacting to what they're hearing but yeah the whole dynamic between she's having thoughts about oh is britney spears on leno tonight in the middle of yeah. foreplay yeah. and he's just freaked out by it i just thought it was great Mar- marissa tomei should have had more I think she deserves more in this movie. Oh, yeah, for sure. I also love that line. She's like, definitely not a grande. He was joking. He was lying about that. (laughs) (laughs) That that was like the second funniest line to me. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Those moments were just really fun. But I'm a sucker also for a good father and daughter moment. So Mm -hmm. the prom that you mentioned, I do like that scene where he comes to her rescue and they they reconnect. They reconcile. Yeah. I didn't get emotional at all in this movie, but I was just like, oh, that's sweet. Yeah, I mean, I don't really get emotional anyway, but like, I mean, it's kind of cute to think like after 15 years of being a distant dad, he's like finally turning the corner. Yeah, and props to her too for like accepting it, you know? Yeah. So here we are, WTF moments. These Mm -hmm. are the plot holes and most unrealistic moments. Yeah. Do you want to start? 
I mean, I think the most obvious one is how he gets his powers. <laughs> like, yes. he literally gets electrocuted. Like, like he should have died. Um, yeah, yeah. He's like, I'm good. I'm just going to stay in the rain with, like, a plugged-in, like, hair dryer. Like, and then suddenly I'm going to be able to hear women's thoughts. It's like, eh. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, like, it's it's a movie. But, like, if you try that, you would literally, you would die. <laughs> Would you okay? So dumb question. Would you die from a hair dryer though? Is I that like the like level of? I feel like that's like the constant thing of like, oh yeah, you're in a bath, and also someone drops something, and you're like, like a toaster, and you're like dead. Yeah, I'm sure you would be severely injured. injured. Yeah. Yes, I just I, I wonder about death, and you know, I don't need to try it out in real life to obviously see what the ramifications right. are. But I was kind of wondering, like, really, he seems very okay. Yeah, he was like, well, he didn't have like a scratch. I mean, he passed out. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. He was fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I. You know, this is a category that I usually love to dive into, but for some reason, I didn't come up with a lot. Mm. I think ultimately because this movie is a fantasy film. Yeah. <laughs> the inherent premise of the movie is that he can hear women's thoughts so maybe i was just willing to let a lot of things go but do you have any more yeah this one is actually one i had a decent amount with (laughs) uh that was funny because like i feel like you know they obviously try to make it so like he would like go next to people and hear their thoughts and you can hear it and it's part Mm -hmm. of the movie but i'm like how is that not so creepy like he's literally running next to somebody like i'll make sure i drive (laughs) like He's, like, in a yoga class, just, like, leaning in. Uh, like, I was like, how is he not getting slapped and, like, banished, like, all the time? Okay, I get it. It's for comedic effect. But, like, there's no, no way. way that would ever happen in no. real life. Uh, I laugh that he takes a cab to work oh every day. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that, like, he, like, the doorman knows. Like, oh, he's taking a cab. Let's go. And, I mean, like, this is 2000. It's, like, before, like, Uber and everything. So, like, cabs are fairly yeah. expensive. But, this yeah. is also... um a common trope in Nancy Myers movies is that everyone is just very rich. Money is yeah. not a problem. It's not a concern. It's not even an afterthought. It's just everyone yeah. is white and has money. Yeah. And that's the same thing was like the, the money. I was like, everyone's house is like mm-hmm. ridiculous. You know, he lives in this like swanky, like downtown, like high rise with like so much space. Yes. <laughs> and then like Helen Hunt's character, like Darcy has his, two-story like penthouse is so much space even like aaron like the um secretary has like a giant <laughs> place even though i'm like i'm like what the heck is this yeah <laughs> yeah uh-huh that's definitely a nancy myers thing again if you see any of her movies you'll notice that the interior designs and the set decorations are just beautiful everyone is really rich yeah the money was like i was like wait what mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. those are like the first like four things i wrote down um <laughs> But I feel like there was a lot I just, like, yes. stopped writing after four. And I was like, all right, let's just stop. This is obviously, again, yep. it's a fantasy. Mm-hmm. Totally. Uh, I did write down one very broad idea is that, like, and maybe this is diving in. We're thinking, I'm overthinking this, basically, is the character of Nick. Mm-hmm. Yes, he's a chauvinistic guy. He doesn't respect women, but he thinks he respects women. But does he genuinely think he's a good person in the beginning. Like he has no idea that he is sexist, that he is demeaning to women. He's just incredibly clueless. And I was kind of having a hard time believing that about a human being. Oh yeah. That was another one I just didn't write down. I was like, they say the reason he's like that is because he grew up in Vegas around Mm -hmm. showgirls. And like, you know, there's all these terrible male influences on him, but like, 
And he thought that was like normal. But then I was like, once he moved to Chicago, he should be like, oh, wait, that's not normal. Yeah. That was when I was like, wait, that's his backstory. That's why he's like this. Okay. That doesn't make any sense, but whatever. It's kind of funny to start the movie, but I was like, whatever. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's, it's kind of, no, it's not lazy writing, but it's just like, it's a big leap. And mm-hmm. he, I guess I'm, I'm honing in on this one scene in the beginning where he slaps his housekeeper's ass. And I was yeah. like, what? How? Like, how is this? I mean, obviously it's not okay, but how does he not realize that it's not okay? Yeah. I mean, the first like 10 minutes is like all filled with those cringeworthy yeah, moments. I, I, yeah. Again, I mentioned it was tough to watch that, but it's just, I really hope that there are not men out there in this world that are walking around genuinely thinking and acting this way. But maybe I'm too optimistic. I feel like in 2000, there probably definitely yeah. were. Nowadays, it's a lot hopefully. less. Hopefully. 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 hopefully the Me Too movement's making yes. changes. So your thoughts on the ending? I also do like the fact that like this is a few one of the few rom-coms I've seen where like they don't have sex. Ah. Like in the Good movie. Point. Like they just make out and then they're like, wow, you're a great kisser mm-hmm. or whatever. It's like cool. And then they go off. As opposed to I feel like every movie it's like hi nice to meet you and then the next scene they're like they just finished having sex Ooh, that's a good <laughs> call out and so i kind of like that about it i felt that that was especially for like a movie made like 20 years ago i felt like that was probably fairly progressive mm. for the times so that's one thing i liked that was like the only thing i was happy with um mm-hmm. that i didn't but at the same time it was so rushed they went from like their co-workers her you could hear her thoughts being don't like him you know don't don't like cross that boundary because they need to work with mm-hmm. each other since her ex-husband was the same thing right like and then a few minutes later it's like they love each other it's like wait 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 what like that was a really big jump but i mean that's kind of what i was saying earlier i just felt like it was just really rushed um overall and so yeah i was so i didn't like about the ending a thousand percent there were moments in my notes i was like wait what this is jumping forward like how much time has passed because it does happen very fast where she yeah tells herself don't like him and then she calls him and they go out and then they're making out right they get the nike pitch and then boom it's like they love (laughs) they use the word love too yeah and i was like that way where did that come from like (laughs) but in terms of the actual actual ending i uh i don't really love the way it ended it's just very sudden similar to like the pacing it's like quick 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 and then just boom it ends yeah and it also kind of ends and then like it just fades to black and I was like, wait, what? That's it? That's it? Yeah. Like, shouldn't there be like some sort of like six months later or like, you mm-hmm. know, something like kind of show what happens, you know, like it's like, wait, that just, yeah, that's like it? maybe okay. do they start their own advertising company or he's helping yeah, her exactly. move into her apartment? I don't know, something. But the, the fact that it ends on a kiss, it's, it's, I didn't love it. And Darcy forgives yeah. Nick way too easily. Right. I was like, wait, you just found out that, like, your whole relationship has been manipulating you, and you're like, that's it? Like, that's that's how fast yeah. you get over it? Like, I was like, man, if, like, I, if someone did that to, like, me, I would not be happy for a much uh, longer yeah, time. Yeah, I think that's the human reaction. That's a very normal reaction. <laughs> it's like, wait, you literally stole everything I did at work for the past, like, I don't know how long, but, like. Yeah, and, boy, you got me fired. Yeah. From like now, like this reputation's gonna it's gonna follow me around in this small world of advertising. Oh, yeah, yeah, I had a problem with that, but you know, saw it coming. Sure, makes sense. The ending is what it is. So the next question is: Are these characters likable or relatable? Your thoughts? 
I wrote down that Darcy is like she's a you know hardworking woman who gets shafted. She's in a male dominated industry. She speaks her mind. She she's really talented and she loves mm-hmm. what she's doing. You know it shows in her results. I I feel like that's like the gold strive for. So yeah, she does come across like a really good person that you can hopefully relate yeah. with. So like that's the only person that I really related to. I agree with you. I mean, I actually wrote down no one to me, but the way that you painted Darcy, absolutely. Like the fact that she loves her job is extremely commendable and she's very good at it. Yeah. She works really hard at it. Like, you know, she's there late nights, early mornings. She gets stuff done with like three hours of sleep. You know, like she's she's a go getter. Mm-hmm. You know, she's really committed. So, I mean, I was like, that's that's kudos yeah. to her. But yeah, that's she's like the only commendable. She really is. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, I I think ultimately for me is that maybe this is why I'm so lukewarm about this movie in general is that no one really is that relatable to me. Like Darcy is uh, likable. I don't really yeah, relate yeah. to her yeah. that much. But yeah, I, I I find that the movies that I really like are because I relate to certain situations that they've gone yeah. through and the feelings that they've had, but. It's kind of a miss for me, I think, in this movie with these characters. I would agree with that. That makes sense. Like, if anything, for me, just because, like, you know, we've been working for a while now, they're definitely, like, someone like Nick Marshall who, like, takes your ideas, takes credit for stuff that you did. Like, that's relatable to me just because I've had that happen mm. in my like career. So, like, when I saw that, and I thought one of the reasons why when you are talking about, like, how could she, like forgive him so fast like there's no way in hell i'll be able to forgive somebody like there's still people i hate to this day that like i know like took credit for like my work and stuff i'm like gosh i hate you so much yeah like just kissing butt to like get ahead and just like you know pushing me down to elevate yourself is how i like to describe that's it. terrible behavior and i'm sorry that happened to you yeah i work for some terrible <laughs> bosses i'm sorry do you have a favorite character i i actually didn't write an answer down for myself but i guess darcy I mean, I feel like she's the most, li- I think, I like your wording. She's the most likable character. I don't want to necessarily call my favorite. My favorite were the, the two secretaries. <laughs> um, I love when he, like, leaned in and there was, like, silence. Like, he, they had yeah. no thoughts. And I love how, like, they were, like, popping the champagne early. Yeah. Like, I feel like they were good comic relief. They are actually very famous women who I think became yeah. famous before our time. Delta Burke and Valerie Perrin. Oh, I don't know how to say her name. Yeah, I don't know how to say it either. But I like I like their characters. They were they were definitely the comic relief. The way that the camera stayed on them, it's like oh, these two people are people. Like we should know who they are, but I I don't really know yeah. who they are. Yeah, it's just like you said, different times. Like we didn't know them when we were fifteen For or sure. sixteen. Do you think these characters stay together? I would say no. There's just that's such a hard thing to overcome. Like to know that literally the first like I don't know how many months it is that he was just manipulating you for the whole time like how do you stay together agree um plus like now that he like lost that ability to like cure woman's thoughts is that is he really going to like is he fully changed Mm. is he going to like actually be in tune with what she's thinking or like you know pride and selfishness and everything else is going to come through again so yeah i I really don't see it lasting (laughs) i agree with you I don't think that they do. They've only known each other for maybe a few months and only in a very specific work context. Yeah. Darcy hasn't met his daughter and stuff like that. And also, I think this is a very, not traumatic experience, you know, being able to hear what women think. But coming out of it, as you mentioned, he no longer has these this ability. But I feel like he needs a lot of therapy to unpack everything that he just went through. 
Yeah, yeah. Like, that's not something you can kind of snap and just learn that, uh, I don't know, your lifetime of 45 years of behavior is now somehow switched and your way of thinking. I, I think it takes a little bit longer of a time to process your relationship with women as a whole. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, like, I feel like he needed therapy since he was like a kid because of how I grew yeah. up. But like, But yeah, the way he's lived his life for an hour, how many years, you know, like, yeah, he definitely needs... Yeah, he needs help. time to figure out himself first before he and Darcy really move <laughs> forward with this. What do you think of the music? I was a big fan. I was actually, that was one thing I should have written about what I liked about mm. the movie. What I liked the soundtrack. I mean, it dated, you know, it's obviously the times, but like when they busted out like Christina Aguilera, <laughs> they busted out like, I forgot the artist's name. What is it? Meredith Brooks. Uh, Meredith Brooks. Yep. Yeah. I was like, oh man, I haven't heard this song in so yeah. long. But like it was popular, you know, it makes sense that they would like put that in a movie. It was very nostalgic. And obviously they had a lot of classics, you know, they had like Frank Sinatra, Sammy mm-hmm. Davis, like they got a lot of those classic sort of songs. Yeah, the the soundtrack was fire. Yeah. It's good. It was fire. I'm with you on this. So enjoyable. The jazzy Frank Sinatra esque soundtrack really kind of makes sense with the character of Nick also. He's like this suave mm-hmm smooth guy yeah, he wants to be a rap exactly kind of guy. Yeah. with the hat and the dance which mel gibson was really good in that scene yeah that was that was imp- very impressive, impressive. And plus the fact that he's like 45 doing that and i was like wow yeah i can't do that in my <laughs> mid-30s so i can't imagine doing that when i'm in 40s yeah it was a very fun soundtrack it, it definitely that scene with the montage with the daughter and christina aguilera i was like oh yeah that's this was like the biggest song at the time yeah and i mean like that was I mean, I, I never had to buy a prom dress, but I assume that's what something, it would be similar, you know, like trying on a bajillion outfits and be like, no, yes, no. Right, right. And there was always some like wardrobe scene, I feel like, in, in mm-hmm. rom-com. Any so. kind of like makeover good, fashion. Yeah, it was, a, it was a good song to go with that scene. Yeah, totally. And obviously just nostalgia because we were teenagers when yes. that came out. So I have fond memories of like, listening to that song. Uh, just a really random question. Was that, oh, wait. I just answered my own question. I think they were at Saks, right? Oh, I have no uh, idea. The only reason I brought that up was because Marshall Fields, famously a Chicago department store. Yeah. I thought that they were at Marshall Fields for a second, but then I caught myself. They have they have that in a scene. You can see that yeah. clearly. And I feel like um, there's another scene where he's like, you know, when he like first tests himself, he like goes mm-hmm. to the makeup section. And like, I feel like that's, that's the uh, Macy's that's like right next to mm. Water Tower. That's like a very... Very, I mean, Water Tower is like a very famous building in uh, Chicago. So there's like a, right when you walk in, that is the makeup area. But Marshall Fields is no longer Marshall Fields, obviously. Like Macy's bought them out. Yeah, Do you remember, is Macy's. this like around yeah. the time that happened or was this totally a different time frame? I have no idea. I feel like that iconic like Marshall Fields logo on the building, I think it's still there. Oh. Even though it says Macy's on top, but they kept the structure of it. Got it, got it. I don't know why I thought that. That was just, it's very famously Chicago. Marshall Fields is very famously (laughs) Chicago. So you and I are are very lukewarm about this movie. And I think maybe the general public might be as well. But why is this the second highest grossing rom-com of all time? I was struggling to answer that too. I was like, (laughs) what made people like this so much? But then I was kind of looking at their IMDb's. And I feel like both Helen Hunt and Mel Gibson were like on a roll. Mm. And like they were pumping out like... They were, like, in big movies, so then the fact that they were both starring in this movie, like, I don't know, I felt like the two of them drew a lot of interest, and I feel like that was kind of the draw, was, like, the actors. That's what I came up with as well. I just, I think we're so far removed from these two being A-list 
box office draws now, which is why mm-hmm. this is a hard question for me to answer in 2021. Yeah. But I was looking at Helen Hunt's IMDb and, you know, I actually don't associate her as a movie star. I, I know her as Mad About You. That was a show that was on when we were growing up. I didn't watch it because mm-hmm. I think I was too young to understand it. But that's how mm-hmm. she came to be very popular to me. So she does Mad About You. In 96, she does Twister. Yeah, that's what yes. I remember her from. <laughs> In 98, she does As Good As It Gets and she wins the Oscar for it. And yeah. 2000, she's in Castaway all very big movies and this is in the middle of that yeah that's what i saw too i saw like it was a big movie big movie big movie and then this yeah so i feel like you know they were they had just so much momentum behind them from all the big movies like i can't remember mel gibson's imdb from the top of my head but like i feel like he did patriot not that long ago Mm -hmm. before this and then he did payback so like i don't know those are two fairly decent movies and i know that he does signs like two years after this movie yeah it must be just the star power of these two people yeah, I felt like that was it. Plus, like, I don't know, maybe at the time, like, this was a very progressive, edgy movie. I mm-hmm. don't know, like, that it would appeal to different people. The yeah. other thought I had is that this movie is about people who are probably in their early to mid 40s, as you mentioned. And in yep. 2000, maybe this was just the appetite of the stories that people wanted. Like, not a teen movie, but people who actually have money to go see a movie about maybe people who are similar in age to who they are in real life. That's true. Yeah. That could have been nice. Cause yeah, like, you know, especially if Helen Hunt got an Oscar for what has good mm-hmm. as it gets, you know, this is also a movie that's like what much older folks. Yeah. They kind of were like, Oh, let's move it to instead of being like Jack Nicholas's age, like let's move it a little <laughs> down to like the forties or thirties. Uh, yeah. I have not revisited as good as it gets for a while, but yeah, that age gap still, still stays with me. It's a really big age gap. Thoughts on if this movie is aged well? Um, I would say no. <laughs> Fair. Overall, I mean, like, the first, like, 10, 15 minutes, like, I feel like in 2000, it was, like, funny. And it was, like, tongue-in-cheek, like, haha, But it wasn't, like, what the hell is this? Now, in 2021, you're, like, what yes. the hell is this? Like, you're, like, what, what the heck? What the actual like, heck is this? Yeah, like, the whole, like, first 30 minutes, almost an hour, you're just like, what the hell is this? How like immature they are, how everything is. Like like you were saying earlier, like we just hope that people have mm-hmm. changed since then. But no, 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 there's still people, there's still plenty of people that haven't, that are still like this. But yeah, it's like hard to watch that first bit. <laughs> yep, uh, definitely, absolutely. That's why this was a WTF for me, a lot of it. Just like very small specific things is that smoking indoors and smoking at work is allowed or was allowed. Yeah, I, I yeah. noticed that just like very of the times very kind of I don't I don't know is, is this so there's this one scene where Alan Alda is sitting and like eating a fancy meal at his office I was like oh wow ad agencies back in the day very fancy kind of like Mad Men-esque but obviously later than Mad Men but I was like oh this is a very macho kind of culture yeah I mean I worked in adver- I've been working in advertising for a while and it's like some of those same problems are still being done mm. today. You know, they're like, hey, like back in 2000, like, you know, we need to reach out to women. Maybe we'll hire a woman. And then like now it's like we need to reach out to like minorities. Maybe we should like hire minorities. Mm. And so like, you know, even like nowadays, like there was a client that wanted to do something for like Lunar New Year. And um, there was one Asian person on the team. Everyone else was non-Asian. So like and the client's not Asian. So like they pitched this idea and, like, the one Asian guy was the only one that was, like, guys, you realize it's, like, 
the dumbest ad. <laughs> like, you have a bunch of lanterns, like a dragon. Like, we could do way better than this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's mm, so performative. Uh, I guess, uh, I was going to say, is their heart in the right place? But that's probably not right. No, they're, they're dollars. They want the dollars. So, yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, I, I just hope that things continue to progress. Because I also yeah. noted that in terms of this movie aging well, is that 21 years ago when this movie was made is that they were just realizing that women had purchasing power like women yeah. today specifically and especially definitely make more of the financial decisions i think in a household well and also the the kit that they got right like it's like lipstick or wonder bra pantyhose mm. like all this you know stuff that's like you know women buy other stuff than just like that absolutely <laughs> it's like what the hell like that did not age yeah. well in, in a pink box no less yeah they made like a gay joke that wouldn't have flown now. Like, you know, they're like, are they gay? And they're like, wait, what? No, heck no. You know, like they're so angry about it. Like, oh, yes. That wouldn't have gone well. I feel like they have a lot more just like submissive women roles mm -hmm. in this that like nowadays that wouldn't fly either. Absolutely. You've got me thinking I should watch What Men Want because that is kind of the flip, but only two years old. And I do wonder if a lot of these problems ring true or if they really double down on the stereotypes of men versus women. So I'm going to have to check that out. A little bit. It's not giving anything away, but like she's a sports agent. Mm. And so like, you know, that's a very masculine driven field. Mm -hmm. And it does kind of make sense that like, you know, she has to be very aggressive. But I mean, at the end of the day, it's not the greatest of movies. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, so I have some trivia for you here. Uh, Mel Gibson actually did wax his legs. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, that, that scene was pretty funny just because I, I do remember him being like, "How? why would women do this <laughs> to themselves? And I'm like, it's true. Like, what women do to, like, look beautiful in, like, the eyes of society is, like, kind of crazy. Like, waxing hurts. <laughs> yeah, he has this, like, line, like, why would women do that? It's like, uh, because that's the standard of beauty. Yeah. It's unrealistic. And then he also kind of waxed the same area this next day. I was like, yeah, like wait yep, a second. <laughs> definitely, I noticed that as well. So this randomly is the first movie to mention eBay. There's a scene uh, where Bette Midler <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. is buying a lamp on eBay. I just saw that trivia point. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, this is so dated. Yeah, and, like, her home screen's Yahoo, oh, yeah. which is, like, no one uses anymore as well. <laughs> Yeah, that was also one of my WTF moments. Like he's like trying on all this stuff, but he's got perfectly painted fingernails and toenails. Mm. Like it looks like it's professionally yeah. done. He obviously didn't do that, obviously. but whatever. The makeup mm -hmm. artist did that for you know whatever. Yep, that's a really really good catch. I noticed that as well. Same with like the lipstick and other stuff. Like if this was like a a guy who doesn't know anything about women, like they would all be look like a toddler. Yeah, did it, you know. Even just the way he put on pantyhose. I mean, it's been ages since I put on pantyhose, but yeah, it's a struggle. It is definitely a struggle. Yeah, I was like, he wouldn't have done that so yeah, smoothly. Yeah, he, he doesn't look like that he's struggling that much. Yeah, he's just too thick for it. That's yes, the only thing. exactly. <laughs> uh, apparently, director James Cameron was, he made a cameo in this movie, which I totally oh. missed. Yeah, I missed that too. It's a scene where Nick bumps into Aaron, Judy Greer's character, mm. and James Cameron is seen reading the newspaper. Oh, hmm. The Nike executives are real executives. They're not actresses. Nice. Yeah, that's cool. And I don't know how true this is, but I found this on Wikipedia. In 2009, there was supposed to be a sequel to this movie, which would reimagine the concept from the viewpoint of a woman's perspective. And Cameron Diaz was yeah. supposed to be the lead. Oh. But, you know, Cameron Diaz is not really acting anymore. And then obviously the Taraji yeah. P. Henson one came out two years ago. Mm-hmm. 
So like 10 years later, right? That was supposed to be 2009. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. And there are a few remakes of this movie. There's a Chinese remake starring Andy Lau and <laughs> Gong Li that came out in 2011. Of course. And then there's an Indian remake that came out in 2004. Oh, man. I want to I watch that. That one seems like Which hilarious. one? The Indian, the Indian one? one? <laughs> I can't imagine them doing like dances in the middle of it, too. And like, it just, oh, man, I got to look that up. Uh, I don't know if I want to devote like four hours of the day to it, but we'll see. <laughs> yeah, those Bollywood films are quite long. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that's all the trivia I have that was interesting to me. Do you have any last thoughts or last takes before we sign off? No, I mean, like, I mean, at the end of the day, we really hope that society's not like this mm-hmm. as much anymore. <laughs> I feel like if, you know, kids these days watch this, they'll be like, what the heck are these people doing? If that's their response, that's, that'd yes. be amazing. A thousand percent. Yeah. After not seeing this movie for like 15 years, that was definitely my reaction to the first 30, 45 minutes yeah. of this movie. It's like, <laughs> yeah. ooh, this is hard. This is meant to be funny, but it's not really that funny. But yeah, I mean, ultimately, this is a a fun, fluffy watch, but not one that really has stayed with me. Yeah, I mean, like you said, this is a rom-com that made a lot of money. We don't know why, but um, it's definitely not like it's not relatable in a lot of ways and it's not like memorable in a lot of ways. But hey, the studio's happy and they made a bunch of money and I'm sure Mel Gibson and Helen Hunter are happy too. Yeah, definitely. Well, thanks so much for doing this with me, Ming. Of course, this is super fun. I like doing these with you. So much fun. We'll definitely talk again soon. Uh, maybe we'll talk about the number one highest grossing rom-com, which actually takes place in Chicago <laughs> as well, My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Yeah. I mean, no pressure. Sure. You know, there's a few other movies I'm sure we can talk about. Yeah, I'm sure I'll look through the list. Thanks to all tuning in to another episode of Romcom Weekly. You can follow us on Instagram at Romcom Weekly and please subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And let us know what you think of this movie, what women want. What would you rate this on a scale from one to ten? And we'll chat with you again next week. Bye.